Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 40k podcast for the Sudbury community. And it is recording. That's good. Wasn't too sure. It showed like it was disconnected. So uh, today I want to talk to you guys about gaming accessories. Things that you bring into your game that help improve uh, how you enjoy the game, uh, help improve the flow of it, maybe even sometimes actually improve uh, how good you will be at the game, which is pretty rare. But uh, let's kind of go over them. I started making a little bit of a list, thought it would be like seven items, turned into two sides of a sticky note, of a sticky tab with like lots of different options uh, with a, a very small, very small writing. So first one, uh, objective markers. There are a few different kinds. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on each of these items. Uh, objective markers, there are, you're probably more familiar with the basic ones where it's like, you know, okay, I'm taking dice or something. I have it on a certain number, leave it in this spot. There's our objective. Not the greatest choice because, you know, natural inclination is to pick up dice. So, you know, usually you can end up misplacing it like that. Um, some people get little circular uh, things that have a little number on them. I know that's what we did for a long time at first. Or people made kind of like custom ones with how to old models. And those look really, really good as they're really can be very flavorful, especially for a, uh, a campaign game, uh, a narrative game. You're know, having a little guy that's like, oh, I'm injured, but I'm carrying the important information. Looks cool. Looks very cool. However, the one that I really prefer, uh, I first heard about it from a company called Dream Tea, and I think they're a very good company for it, but you, there are other people that sell these sort of things. Uh, it's a rubber mat that is already cut to a three inch, uh, to a three inch radius. So it's six inch diameter circle uh, that you just kind of flop onto the table and then the really, really, really cool thing is because it's three inch radius, uh, that means that if you are touching the edge of this mat, then you are within three inches. You are at or within, which means within, three inches of the center of that objective marker, which is awesome because it, here it is now very, very visual whether or not you are within range and you don't have to spend any time arguing over, uh, you know, arguing over, um, you know, fractions of an inch or where precisely the middle of something is. It's like, are you touching this? You're good. And because it's a rubber um, circular mat, it sits on the table really well. You can put other terrain on top of it so that it doesn't get in the way of uh, its position is not as constrained as some, as the position of some other objectives are. Uh, and it, you can mo walk your models over and everything. So I found those have been really great, and I find those are one of the uh, those are one of the few gaming accessories that actually help your gameplay, that actually improve your gameplay because you can visually spot how close things are together, at just how close or how far away you are from being within scoring range, as opposed to being like, well, I, I hope I'm within scoring range. And I hope my opponent agrees with me that I'm a story and stuff like that. Uh, next up, laser pointers. I uh, rarely seen people use a laser pointer. Uh, the idea of bringing a laser pointer into your game is that you're trying to check line of sight on something. Just say like, oh yeah, I can see from here to there if it reflects off of it. I don't really end up caring for it because most of the time it's pretty obvious whether a unit can see another unit or not. And if it's not obvious, then you should ask your opponent and if they agree. And if they don't agree, then you just say, okay, I guess I can't. You know, or, you know, this is where kind of I had mentioned before about the gotcha moments. You ask your opponent, hey, look, I have this much movement on my guy. Can I would, I'm moving to this position. Do you agree that somewhere within this area, I'll be able to see? And if you can do that, then you kind of get around that whole argument. And I've even had it with my opponents before where it's like, I've done that. And they say, 
No, I don't think so. In fact, I don't think there's anywhere here. I think you have to move a lot further in order to see them. So, uh, it, it's really... Uh, laser pointers, I've never seen anybody get good enough use out of them. Uh, and if you're in the, the kind of person that's like, you feel like you get into those arguments enough that you think you need a laser pointer, then I, I think you need to re-examine how you are approaching the concept of true line of sight uh, and whether, you know, you are being a, a good sport on that. So I would write now, then again, you could also end up always be playing against somebody that they're the ones that are doing that, in which case, okay. But if you're, if you find that you're coming across that situation a lot against lots of different people, then maybe you're the one that's actually taking it um, too far and you need to kind of step back on that and try something different. Try a different way of approaching it. Like I said, try the way of asking your opponent first, do you agree that I, I can move somewhere here that I'll be able to do it? Uh, movement traits. Movement traits, I'm kind of... I haven't used them in, in enough situations to find them helpful, but I also haven't yet used them for an army that really, really could need them. Uh, and I have seen them used by two people that have large enough armies that had large enough units where they were helpful. Uh, the reason for it is, uh, you know, they're supposed to be able to help you move things around for really big units of orcs and whatnot. Totally. I, I could absolutely see it, especially with the jump. Um, but then at the same time, there are so many times where we're going to try to, you're going to try to use that unit size really to your advantage and stringing it out and bending it in all these weird contorted ways to try to, you know, maximize that unit's footprint. And then you just end up taking those models off the tray again. So, um, even in the games that I have seen it used, I don't think it really saved them a whole lot of time, but it definitely did save some. And I didn't see that person play all their other games, so... You know, I, I trust that it's a it's a good thing if you have large units of like 20, 30 models. If you're not using units of 20, 30 models, probably not really that worth it. Dice towers. Oh god. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> if if you think this actually improves your randomness, then uh, either the way that you're rolling dice <laughs> is the most inappropriate way possible, <laughs> uh, or you're not quite understanding um, the concept of randomness. I mean, really, it only comes down to if, if the dice bounces <laughs> and it rolls over at least once, then I'm pretty sure it's a very random result because you are not, as long as you're not able, neither of you are able to predict where a dice will land, then it is random um, for all intents and purposes. If you can predict where the dice will land, it is not random and you shouldn't do it. So I don't think a dice tower is necessary for that. Dice boxes, which is the next item I have on the list here, different story. Because a dice box, uh, let's face it, sometimes we're playing these games on hard tables where the dice go bouncing all over the place, or some other times we are playing um, on, on a board where there's lots of different contours and edges, or models are all over the place, or there are wound counters all over the place, or something like that. And you just want to make sure that the dice are all in one spot. And for that, a dice box is quite nice. Because then you can uh, kind of restrict where those dice go. Uh, picking up the dice sometimes can still be an issue. Separating, you know, what hit and what missed. And if you're like me, Mr. Fumblefingers, um, you know, I I'm, I'm going to bump into dice in a little trade more so than I would otherwise on a large table. But uh, again, it, that... There are definitely enough situations where it's going to be helpful. And so, um, you know, having a dice box is nice. And that's a nice gift, I would say. That if you are looking for um, having a, just an, a nice little something, getting a dice box for someone or receiving a dice box from someone is really, really nice. And that's how I got mine. And I, I'm so thankful to my friend for that. Uh, terrain. Terrain is technically a gaming accessory. So... <laughs> But it's so ubiquitous that I think we all know that it is, uh, you need it. And, but nice terrain is great. 
Where are you going to get your tank from? Well, there's so many different options. This is honestly a whole topic unto itself. Uh, you know, there are the MDF board ones that are, you can just pop out of things and assemble them together and then they're, they're ready in minutes. Um, you know, you can try to create your own out of household junk, which is, if you, act, if you do a good job, is actually really, really good. They, and they can look fantastic, but you got to commit to it. Um, you know, nothing's worse than actually seeing that. Yes, those are in fact, um, you know, peanut tins, peanut tins or old cans that are your silos <laughs> and it doesn't really look like anything. But if you just quickly paint it up, um, you know, give it, do a black coat, uh, dry, uh, put on some, some gray, dry, uh, ink it up a bunch, dry brush it, put on some markings and graffiti and suddenly bam, now it's some kind of silo. You can make it a metal silo, null oil it, all that kind of stuff. Fun. And then, you know, the GW train is fantastic. Um, usually that one though, I tend to end up get, getting secondhand on a lot of it because it is very expensive. Probably the most expensive, the one not just in the straight up cost, but also your time you're going to spend afterwards assembling it and painting it. But when you do, it looks great. It does lead to some boards looking a little bit same-ish because it is that kit and lots of people will get that kit. Um, but it, it is, it's tough. I should actually get Mark onto this and have him. He, he's done, he's made a whole bunch of train and he could probably do a great job explaining, uh, you know, clever ways to quickly make train in great looking ways. T-shirts for your teams. Okay, so if we do do a, a team event um, in the future, or if you get to be a part of a team for a 40k event in the future, my god, these team t-shirts are, are fantastic. You just feel so together when you're with it. You can look down across and there you all are. All, uh, you know, it, it just, it makes you feel great. And if you're ever part of a team, I totally suggest doing it. Uh, if you end up joining, if you end up starting some kind of of TV, uh, uh, you know, 40k, uh, 40k YouTube channel or anything like that, do it. <laughs> Having your own stuff and seeing it out there being used make, gives you all the warm fuzzies. So yeah, it, it feels great. Custom dice. Uh, yeah, you can totally get your own dice made and you know, have, uh, you know, a logo or a symbol on them, um, which is really cool. Uh, I really, I prefer that they would, I prefer when they get made because then you usually put like your nice cool symbol on the six, which feels great as opposed to Games Workshop, which for some reason puts their cool symbols on the one. So it's like, hey, look, yeah, I'm Ultramarines, a whole lot of Ultramarines and I'm, oh, well that means I'm I'm dead because I rolled all ones. <laughs> Good old Ultramarine. Yeah, no, worst decision. Worst decision, Games Workshop. Um, they're also really great for handing out to people if you're going to other events and you want to make them feel good and have something to remember your game by. But people, I find, kind of do that so much, it kind of does lose its appeal a bit to me. Um, unless it's something that really stands out, like the Yoss dice that Skari has from, I think it was Team Scotland, or maybe it was Team Ireland. See, I, I can't remember which of them he it was, but he probably remembers it much better. His memory is also a lot better than mine. My memory is pretty awful. So, there you go. Maelstrom cards. These are a gaming accessory. You don't actually need them to play the game. Because uh, you could do it right from the rule book where you roll your, your 2d6 and you mark things off. But, oh no, god, that's, that's awful. I'm trying to keep track of all that. I have done it, though, because for some reason I didn't have my cards. So I'm like, well, this is what I'm going to have to do. Um... The cards are just so much better. You give them a shuffle it and it will feel random and you'll never get the same one twice. It's perfect. So I would strongly suggest, I would strongly encourage getting the Maelstrom cards for whatever army you are majorly playing. Character cards. Now this is something that I create. And you know what, this will be, I think I'm just about out of time. So I'm going to really quickly say it. They're just little magic looking cards that I design using a little program called Magic Set Editor. And it lets me help keep track of my psych powers and special weapons and stuff like that, which can be really hard to remember. Like, is it one or two damage? Or, not? or is it two or three damage? Is it AP minus one or AP minus two? Or all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's going to be it. And I, I'm honestly only halfway through this list. 
I, there are so many possible things. This is going to have to be a two-parter episode. And I'm going to see if I can make it actually all go up at the same time again. Because I think it's worth it. So thank you for listening. Really appreciate your time. And uh, keep on wargaming and enjoy. Alright, let's continue with part two of Sudbury Scrub. I'm going to try to upload this to the same episode, so just one plays right into the other, which would be a lot of fun. Alright, so the next part of the gaming accessories. Oh, I want to spend a bit more time, since I have the chance to talk about char- these character cards. So, uh, what I do for a lot of the tournaments that I go to now is I make these little cards that are descriptions of a character, especially with all the unique items that characters have access to, uh, and just kind of the rules that I may end up forgetting during the game, or uh, little little things like that. So a good example was Mortarian, um, who has, he has a lot of different rules, and he has a lot of different, he has a few different weapons, and some of these weapons are very much not standard, like he has his special Phosphex bombs that he throws 2d6 of. He has the lantern. What are the stats on that? Uh, you know, these things are like, is it a plasma pistol? Is it a melt-a-gun? Like, what what really is it, right? And he has a degrading stat profile that is a little bit confusing as well. So, how does that degrade? What changes over time? What's his movement when he's in his lowest or second lowest profile? It can be really hard to remember some of these things. And I find that creating these cards where it's a very, very quick reference, and it's a small reference. Some people make cards that are, like, really large, and it's like, okay, well, that's, like, look, that, that's, like, the size of a sheet of paper from your codex. That doesn't fit nicely on the table. But a little thing like the size of a magic card sits by the guy pretty easily. And then I also put on these things what psychic powers I've equipped them with, or what special relics I've equipped them with. And sometimes that will change from game to game, so I'll have multiples of these cards with these slightly different loadouts. And then it also helps me remember, this is what I have equipped him with today, or for this game. Um, And, you know, sometimes you do that. You're like, well, I always equip this guy with this. Oh, I didn't. Oops. You know, that's horrible. You don't want to do that, because then you've either cheated or you've cheated, you know, you've you've made a mistake. And potentially a, a very big mistake, especially if it's something like, Oops, I, I've given, I've been playing this whole game like he's had this weapon that he hasn't had. And that can really add up. That, and then you feel bad, like, okay, well, I gotta report this. And, and what do you do? You don't want to be the person in that situation. You don't want to be the judge in that situation. Nobody wants to be in that situation. So having this just kind of really helps with that. And for being able to see, like, oh, okay, he loses an attack and he loses some speed, he goes down from a 12-inch move down to, uh, you know, a 10-inch move, or whatever it is. I don't have the card in front of me. I can't remember off the top of my head. And that's where these cards are really helpful. Uh, and to make them, you did, like I said, I use a little software called Magic Set Editor, because it, I find that the size and the style of the Magic Card works really well. Um, however, really, you can do whatever you want, even if it's just you scribbling things out on a piece of paper. I just like the stylistic approach a bit more because, again, it helps identify which card belongs to which person, which can also be very helpful, again, when you maybe have multiples of these same units. You have multiple different sorcerers or demons or stuff like that that all have a different power. Uh, Similar to that, one thing that a friend of mine did, and I'm definitely going to be copying this in the future for certain units, especially if they're units that have uh, lots of different stratagem options. He prints off some unit cards with... So on the front, it'll be a a unit card, and very much that is kind of what I was saying, like a sheet of paper, like it's uh, from the book. And for some units, this isn't a bad idea. Um, He's been using them for the different assassins, which is actually, I think, quite a good idea, because it's unlikely... You're not it's very unlikely you're going to have multiple assassins on the table at the same time. You're probably just going to have the one. So, with that one, 
this will tell you, okay, this is what special rolls he has, so you don't miss out on them, because I mean, you've got the unit entry right there. But on the reverse side, this is what I really like, on the reverse side, he has the different stratagems that are unique to that group, or that he really, really, really wants to use with that specific group. And especially for some stratagems where you might have a hard time remembering the exact wording, which can sometimes really matter at certain points of the game, or, you know, how much does CP does it cost? If it's one of those ones you don't use too often, but you know it's there and it's a big deal when you do use it. Um, or, you know, some of the other little finicky stuff that maybe doesn't come up too often, but will come up in, in certain situations. So by having them on the back, it's a very quick reference. Um, and I do like it when you just have a few units with that, especially when it's a unit that maybe you're not too familiar with, your opponents might not be too familiar with, or like an assassin where you're only going to have one out in a game but which one it is may change i find that can be very helpful and that way you're not always pulling out a codex for it as well so it's much more uh that's one of the ones where you, you just get a nice flow on the game as well you're not interrupting the game to be looking things up and it can also actually help you make better decisions a trolley uh or cart this is really, really useful if you go to a multi-day tournament or you're going to a tournament at a big venue. Having at these spots a cart that you can just kind of push your army around with is very helpful. Uh, it's really great for putting aside your units. I got to use a, a friend's one at the last team tournament and it helped. It even helped me kind of identify one of the issues I kind of tend to do with myself is I, especially when I'm playing Gene Stiller Cult, is I'm putting out too many or maybe it's too few markers or you know and I'm putting units down with the markers and it, it, I've caught myself in a, a lot of times not having the right number and it's like well how can that be and it's because you kind of start losing track of okay I put down this unit oh did I pick that marker off the table oh is that marker off to the side was that one always there or did I just put it there because I started putting this unit down and I just put that one to the side and now I can't tell if it's there to the side or not. Having the trolley kind of really helped me because then I put the markers in the trolley and the units that were in deep strike were on one level and the units that weren't in deep strike were on a different level and that really helped. But on top of that, just for moving your army around so you're not always trying to repackage it into a box or a container um, and carrying that around Instead, you just put it on top here. So long as it's kind of on there, you know, you can just push it around to the next spot. I found that been that's been very nice, and I got still got to make sure to pick myself up one of these for this next tournament. Oh my god, that's coming up soon. I got to do that. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Um, preset measuring devices. So here's another one that I'm not a hundred percent sold on, but I have used. There have been certain situations where I've really liked it. Um, these are little things that are already set to a certain size. The most common one that you'll probably see is the 9-inch stick, um, because usually in the game you can't deep strike within 9 inches of another unit. So so long as you have this 9-inch uh, stick with you and you put it, you put it down on the table, um, then you can say, okay, well we are precisely now as close as possible um, or you're as far away as possible. And again, that just kind of reduces the possibility of an error occurring. Uh, I don't really care too, too much for that one, because I think so long as, especially for Deep Strike, because so long as you get down just like one or two, or just like a few models right at the front that are like at the nine inch range, maybe if they're a quarter of an inch back, it doesn't matter with the way that charges work in the game. Um, and then from there, if you measure again, and it's like, oh, now I'm under Eden. I'm under nine inch charge. I'm under a, a needing to roll a nine. Well, then you probably, somebody made a mistake because math just doesn't work that way in the way that the game works. Somebody bumped the table or something. So usually I don't find it that important, uh, but I have used it a couple times. So it's not bad. It's not great, it's not bad so-so. Uh, again, I, I haven't even found it. The main thing it would be speed, where uh, if you can put down one or two of these, 
I find that helps. And I, there's another item on this list that I think is going to work even better than that. And I'll get to that in a bit. The other sizes, though, uh, 2 inches and 3 inches. I found those ones to be actually somewhat helpful. Um, because the 2 inches your squad coherency. So if you need to max out a squad, uh, its footprint, to see how big you can make it, having this little 2-inch marker isn't bad. And I got this one really nice one. Um, I got it in my pocket right now, but I don't want to dig in through stuff and waste time doing that. And it's a little me metallic card. It looks like a business card. And it's two inches on one side, and it's three inches on the other side. And the two inches is really great for that. And being metal, it's not deforming, it's not, um, you know, bending or stuff like that. And I find the cardboard ones kind of do, and I'm worried about breaking the long nine-inch ones. But this is small, so I'm not worried about it. And it's in my wallet which again is going to be very very safe for something of that size. Three inches is for your heroic intervention range. And a lot of people aren't very familiar with heroic intervention, but especially if you're going into a tournament, or you're, if you are trying to uh, really maximize the strength of, of your play, you start to realize that heroic intervention it can be quite critical at times. So having a good idea of what that range is, is very helpful, and making sure that you don't put your unit somewhere where you accidentally trigger somebody else's heroic intervention is also very important. The 3-inch marker can be very helpful for that. Uh, Battle Scribe, huge one. Again, this is one that I could spend a whole episode about. I I fully think, I fully endorse using Battle Scribe. I think you should. I just my only caveat is if you are uh, dedicating to playing an army buy the codex you know don't don't cheat people out of their money for it uh, but I mean if you're just having a few so for here's a good example I have an orc army I have previously bought the codex for them in 8th edition I have not been playing orcs so I haven't purchased the orc codex and recently we our team we did do a practice session against orcs and for this, I'm not playing orcs, but I need something to help my opponent know what we can expect to fight play against. So I load up into Battlescribe the um, a list with you, you know, and it didn't even use all, we used a whole ton of proxies even for it. Who cares? It's a practice game. But now I have all the rules necessary to play that army for my opponent's sake. Um, but this isn't the army that I'm playing. So I've played it once now and in, in really in played it twice in two years. So once per year. So I'm not going to buy the codex for that. I don't think that's a necessary thing because that's kind of just testing out something. Um, but for the armies that I do play, which is, and if you bring something to a tournament, absolutely. I, the tournament, if you are bringing something to a tournament, you are playing that army. Now you got to do it. So like the demon codex, I bought a demon codex. I don't play demons. It is not something I really do. However, I was I'm bringing these I've been bringing these models or I've been bringing these models to tournaments. So it's like, well, I or I'm going to be bringing these models to tournaments at the time. Um, so I better pick up this codex and have it with me. And I opened it up once or twice. And I, I don't do it very much, but hey, I am playing the army. So I better do that. So Battlescribe is not a replacement for that. Also, Battlescribe can be wrong. It's very rare. Battlescribe is actually pretty amazing for it. Um, but it does happen, so don't entirely rely on Battlescribe. Um, however, that said, again, I would only be double checking it for tournament purposes because there you don't want to, you really don't want to be wrong. <laughs> uh, however, the rest of the time it is fantastic, and I'll, I, I can have a whole episode about Battlescribe, so I'm not going to do anything else on that. Uh, I still have four more to go over. So we will continue this again in another uh, part. So we'll see. I'll see you at that time. Thank you much again for listening. No, oh, it smells like heaven in here. Should. Oh, why isn't this safe in? I didn't find the same one, Davis. Well, that's okay. I'm sorry. They didn't have my, they didn't have my, uh, like I got the fishies, but they didn't have my flavor. Yeah.
three. We are now into three parts of this gaming accessory episode. And now it's a long drive into work. It's Saturday now. Um, my lovely wife gets to stay home, which means that for me it's a it's a full drive. There's no it's not so it, even if it was a regular episode, it wouldn't even be a half episode. It'd be a full well. It's a double episode, even if, and we're already at triple. <laughs> so let's go ahead and keep talking about what we were going over, which I guess means I have more time to describe Battlescribe, since that's the last spot that we had left off from. So, okay, back some, uh, oh, I don't know, how many years ago was it now? Four years ago? Five years ago? Something around that? Somebody... Uh, came up with Battlescribe. And you know what? Kind of trace the history. Oh, don't, please don't back into me. Thank you. <sighs> Alright. Hey, you know, people shove plowing snow and backing up. Anyway. Um, so, uh, tracing that history back even further, there used to be a, a program called Army Builder. And it was a program released by Games Workshop. And I think it was out as far back as 4th edition. It may have even been existing in 3rd edition. And it wasn't a great program. It ran pretty slowly. Uh, graphics weren't great, but not, no graphics anywhere was. But it was very functional still. And uh, a number of people have used it. And of course, there were the pirated copies. And um, Games Workshop actually had a, from what I recall, they had a reasonable amount of copyright protection, uh, programmable protection on it as well, which was pretty cool. Anyways, it worked very well um, because it had all the different armies in it, had all their points values, and it wouldn't let you select wrong choices, which at the time was something that could very much happen, because at that, that, until that point, you made an army list, it was pretty much pen and paper, or uh, you wrote it down on a computer, but you, like, same thing, you kind of typed up whatever you want. And that was also the first program to actually, like, the printout it made also showed you the stats of the units. Uh, Games Workshop stopped making that, stopped supporting it, I believe because too many people were breaking it and, um, you know, using it for free. So they're like, well, why are we investing money into something that's, we're not reaping much monetary value out of compared to, you know, the number of people that are stealing it. So they discontinued that product. Step in many years later uh, with open source being now what it is, uh, and all you know, all the technology is very much improved. Smartphones, especially, being a big deal. Um, now we have this. Somebody created an app that they do not themselves program the different gaming systems. So they're just selling a program called Battlescribe that's functionally empty. But then, and it just provides kind of like the framework to put stuff into. Um, other people then create these files and they load it up into it. Now, Games Workshop has um, not crushed them. <laughs> I'm sure they've, they've considered it at some point, their legal division. But the reason I think they haven't is, number one, it's not the company that the, the the group the or the individual that created the program did not steal any of their uh, copyrighted materials. Um, he's just provided a platform, and then people are sharing amongst their own platform, their own information, stuff like that. So legally, they can't. I, I don't think is is the main reason. But also, I think Games Workshop has realized that Battlescribe uh, has largely been a positive influence for the game. So it's allowed people to have their lists with them wherever they go, have multiple versions of their lists wherever they go, um, to imagine new lists and try to build them that way, which also improves sales because people want to explore more. Um, the downside to Battlescribe is that there are going to be a lot of people that... There are a number of people that do not buy the codexes, they just buy the models, and then they buy Battlescribe. Buddy, you're, you're, you're taking up two lanes here. Decide which lane you want to be in. Thank you. There you go. 
Um, so I, I could definitely see that side of it. I don't, and I don't know how much one outweighs the other. So that's kind of where I go back to my previous statement, where if you have an army, uh, you know, if you, if you play an army by the codex, because that's the the moral, in my opinion, that's the moral thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Um, if you're just testing out stuff, you're playing around with it. You may even own a few units. Then don't worry about it. You know, until you're saying no, no, I'm I'm playing this army now. Then yeah, you don't need the codex. Just use Battle Scribe stratagems you can get. Again, Battlescribe doesn't have everything. Okay, so for those who are totally unaware, what Battlescribe does is it lets you um, build an army list. In the program, it, it will tell you when you've made an error that makes your list illegal in a matched play setting. Now you can just ignore those warnings if you wish to uh, be playing other versions of the game if you want to be doing a narrative game or you want to be doing something else an open play game you can ignore what it says so you can really build any army you want but it, there will be a nice little red exclamation mark that, po that pops up in the top corner that says hey late list you made is not legal for match play so and this is how it's illegal which is also kind of the nice thing it kind of tells you you've got too many HQ choices there you go you're not now you're not trying to figure out where did I go wrong or might say hey you've given this piece of equipment to this guy that you're not allowed to give this equipment to them and that's actually even a challenge because the system honestly generally doesn't even give you the option for items that you can't even take the only time that happens and this is where that's very helpful you take an option that's specific to like one faction or one chapter or something like that and then you change the unit's chapter later because you're playing around and you're experimenting and you're trying to figure out what works. And you forgot to take off that item from them. And then it'll tell you they can't have this item, but they have it right now. So fix it. Um, it tells you, very importantly, it tells you the stats of every unit and of their, uh, of their weapons. It gives you their abilities. So that's all huge. What it doesn't give you, uh, two things. Number one, it does not give you stratagems unless those are the stratagems that give you access to more things in your list building, like additional relics, um, additional warlord traits, things of that nature. And in those, in the so those things you can do in the program, uh, other the other stratagems don't appear in there. Uh, so you can't, if you played it just from Battle Scribe, <clears throat> you would you would be using far fewer stratagems than than uh, somebody normally would be. Unless you, now, mind you, you can look up those stratagems through. Uh, you know, there are some one D four chan, I think. 1d4chan is, I think, a very helpful website for that. Uh, one, uh, 1d4chan, yeah, I think that's all it's called, 1d4chan. Just look up, like, Orc Tactics, Space Marine Tactics, Necron Tactics, anything like that, and it'll tell you, um, you know, it, it lists all the different stratagems, but the thing about 1d4chan is those stratagems are not, those aren't the, the official rules on the stratagems, It'll list the name, it'll list the, the cost, and it'll tell you what it does, but it's not giving you the precise language, which sometimes can be very important, because it'll, it'll just say something like, yeah, uh, re-roll all hits against Imperium folks. And then you read the actual thing, and it says, um, you know, re-roll all failed hits against units with the with this keyword, this keyword, this, this keyword, you know, something like that. That's because 1d4chan sometimes people have a tendency to, well, all of them are not verbatim. They are all summar, summaries of the actual building. Most of them are pretty darn good summaries that they hit all the major points because the stratagem is not that complicated, but they won't hit all of them. And you don't want to be carrying around uh, always looking up 
these different stratagems through your phone. It's really annoying. It's fine for testing things out. Absolutely inexcusable for uh, a, a, com a competitive match or a match, even a pickup match, where it's like, hey, look, uh, you know, I don't want to be spending all day here on, on my phone looking up the different abilities. Um, so it's it's a fantastic resource. Uh, the other thing, of, uh, the other thing about sorry, that was one thing. It doesn't have it doesn't have stratagems. The other thing it does not have is new stuff. Uh, by which I mean anything that's out usually anything comes out it usually takes one or two weeks past the point of the official release for. Um, the people that, that enjoy updating Battlescribe, because again, remember, it's not the actual Battlescribe people themselves, but rather a community of people. So somebody actually has to want to do it. <laughs> um, and it usually takes them one or two weeks to get that updated. So if you want to be using Battlescribe as a way of making a new list, and again, it's um, something comes out and you have a tournament a week later, then you may not have access to the new stuff through Battlescribe. And then you, you would be like, okay, well, I gotta go buy the new item because I wanna know how it affects things. So it, it has that, those two, I would say, would be the major limitations. The other thing is, it does make mistakes because, again, these are people that are putting it in. Um, for a time, there were some ways that Battlescribe used to be more in air than it was now, mostly, I think, because some people thought certain things did other certain things, or certain things were required for certain things, and, and it's like, nope. Um, you know, it changes as FAQs change. Sometimes somebody will miss that FAQ that says, no, you can't do this. This is not an option. Um, I can't recall correctly. I would need to check the FAQ to know, but I mean, for example, I think Noise Marines, the sergeant, um, can take, you know, he has his weapon options, and they all replace certain things, and by the way that it looked, it looked like you could take something like three combi bolters if you set it up in a specific way, and so here's this one guy that's pumping out, here's this one guy that it functionally has a hurricane bolter now in a chaos list with the noise marine. So it was a little weird. Um, Games Workshop, not Games Workshop, sorry, Battlescribe, I think allowed uh, allowed it for some time, even after the FAQ came out. So, and I don't know, it might still, I, I haven't checked, I haven't even tried, because I know it's not, a, I don't think, actually, I don't think it's a legal thing to do. But again, I would have to double check again to make sure. <clears throat> um... So I think it's a fantastic resource. I use it all the time. I make all my lists in Battlescribe, just because it's just so simple. You can share them with other people, uh, which is really great because you can send it to a teammate. You can send it to a friend saying, hey, what do you think of this? Um, you know, you can, you can do all, all sorts of things like that. Oh, I am behind a couple of snowplows now. Because, yeah, there was quite a bit of snow last night. Not a huge amount. Not like tonight. Apparently tonight's going to be really bad, so... That'll be fun. Anyway, uh, next up on the list. Wound counters. Okay. Um, for myself, what I usually do is I take some different colored dice. I bring them with me. And I put them next to my models, and so any guys that have wounds, they, you know, you just, I count, I count down. So, if it's blank, it's at full, but as soon as it takes one, I put down. Uh, however, I have seen a number of other methods that people have used. Um, Mark had gone the stitch counters before, and we had given them out as part of the BPO as kind of like a little, hey, here's this little thing you get to have. And I don't really see anybody using them. Uh, I myself, I think I've, I've lost all of mine. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, so they're just, they're not used too, too frequently. Uh, they were really a great idea. It's kind of strange, because here's something that looks 
makes so much sense when you look at it. But if nobody's using it, then that means there's something about it that just doesn't quite click. And it's just a little... By a stitch counter, it's got like three little dials. Or it's got two dials on it. That's it, just two little dials. So you could set it up as high as 9.9. Or as low as... Um, or as low as 00. zero. So, you know, you could just go click, 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 click. I did find it somewhat helpful for Mortarian or models with a lot of wounds. Because then that's where, you know, I end up using three dice. Um, or in the case of a knight, you know, you end up might end up even having, having four dice down on a model to count up the number of wounds. And again, like I've said before, when a dice is down, your tendency is just kind of grab it and pick it up. So... That is where a, a real kind of separate item can be quite helpful. But, yeah, just it never really caught on. Uh, the other two that I've seen, there's this one that's like, it's a little click counter as well, dials down. And I think these ones were specifically made for the player. I think he, I, I don't know if he 3D printed them or if he got them from someone. I'm not sure. But it was a little dial. A uh, very small one, probably about the size, probably a bit bigger than a toonie. It's like a little button sized. A small button. Anyway, uh, and it counted down, I believe, from 24. So that's what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure this was made specifically for the player. Um, or it was definitely made for 40k in mind because it was a... Uh, it, there's very, very, very few things in the game that have more than 24 wounds. Knights are generally where you're capping it out at. And even then, there are some specialty knights that people don't tend to bring now, they used to bring, that had 28. But again, um, for the most part, 24 does just fine. That one looks really nice, and I like because since it has its own stylisticness for 40k, um... It, it's easy to know which guy it's beside, and you're, and it clicks kind of into place again, so it's solid. It's hard. It's hard to accidentally move it. The last one that I've seen used has been little printed out pieces of plastic, usually in the like red piece of plastic in the form of like teardrops. So it's like blood drops, right? And you not throw those down beside something. I really don't care for those, um, because they they I don't know. Something about that to me feels like I'm going to hit things out of the way. I'm going to be trying to pick up a pile of them and move them around. Um, I don't know about you, but my fingers, I just, I find I have a really hard time grabbing little thin things that are on a table. So I wouldn't want to use those, but I've seen them used. So, I mean, that's an option. I think that's everything for wound counters. Alright. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, victory point, command point trackers. Dials. So again, more dials. Uh, the main one I've seen here was a cardboard one that the game snook was handing out. I still do have mine. Um, and I do use it from time to time. And what it is, it's just kind of like two cardboard dials inside of a little cardboard thing with uh, you know, some, like, kind of hole showing. And you can just turn the dials around and select different values for, you know, for things. I believe the, the dial counts up to, like, 30 or something like that. And the idea there just being, like, hey, here you can see how many command points you have left, how many victory points you have acquired, accrued. The only reason I haven't really cared for them too much, I've Kind of, I used to use it a lot, and I've kind of just scaled back, is that there are a lot of times where I'm playing and, um, you know, the, the, the wheels aren't very, um, they don't kind of stick in place that well, so sometimes it's like, oh, were you at 12 or 13? And, you know, usually, usually you already know, but every now and then you don't, and then you're like, oh man, I, I don't know, and again, that feels bad because... You're not representing a true game state. So I did scale back on those ones. However, I'm sure there are other ones that are out there 
that I would recommend. Best one that I've I've ever seen was now this is I, I guess a whole different section. And here's a new one that I didn't even write down. So at the last ITC tournament held by the twins, they handed out these laminated pages. Um, and on one side of them, so it was laminated so you could use dry erase marker and mark down, you know, your, your numbers on it, wipe it off and do it again, which is right there. Fantastic. Uh, it really helps for the ITC matches where you are trying to track down certain things per turn. So like, did I kill two things on turn one, turn two, turn three, and turn four? Great. If I did that, I've scored all four points for my uh, Butcher's Bill secondary. So that's four victory points for me. Or if I've done it just on two of the turns, that's two of my victory points. Stuff like that. Did I, did I get uh, hold more? Did I get kill more? Did I get hold something? Did I get kill something? And you mark these down turn after turn after turn. And rather than trying to notch up a command point marker, where again now, with the command point marker dial, you don't see how you got the points which for something like ITC, with how many points you can score at the end, you know, I think the maximum score in ITC is something like 42 for a match. Um, the dial doesn't even go up to 42. Uh, a low scoring game is 16. You know, 14, 16 kind of thing. Um, there we go. Away from, way now from those from those things. Oh, what happened here? Huh. Anyway, um... So, you know, that doesn't really work for that. Plus, you need to be able to prove, like, this is where I got my points from. Because at the end, you know, you don't want to be questioning, oh, wait a second. On turn two, did you get a unit into every quarter of the map? No? Yes? I can't remember, right? So... Did you get it on turn four? You know, like, so that that one is a little trickier. And having this paper was really, really helpful for that. To just kind of track that progression. Uh, the other side of it, though, here's the other really cool thing. The reverse side of that paper has, has all the different deployment maps from the main rulebook. So your Vanguard Strike, and it's got your... Search and destroy. It's got your eternal war. Not eternal war. Um, Dawn of War. And hammer and anvil. It's got all the different kinds. And it shows you how to, you know, so how you measure it out. So that's that's fantastic because now you're, again, you're not having to open up your rule book. It's right there on the thing that every single player has. And at the end of your match, you just hand those in to the tournament org to the twins, to the tournament organizers. They mark down the points. Bada bing, bada boom, they give it back, you know, wipe it off, give it back to you, go to your next round. Beautiful. And I like having that myself just with me, because now if I'm practicing ITC, I have this with me forever now. And it had our own names printed on it for each of them, which was a very nice little touch, because then again, there was never any question of whose was it. You could never lose it. <laughs> um, or you could never lose it by confusing it with somebody else's. So that was fantastic. Uh, next up, okay, so, got two last ones here. Dice Rolling Apps and then Rightful Ruler. So, Dice Rolling Apps are apps on your phone that you go ahead and you can put down, you know, how many D6s, and then usually they get let you do something, they mod like, take certain numbers, set them aside, so you'd be like, okay, you know, roll 80 dice. Alright, all the three ups now are what I'm keeping. The rest get discarded. Alright, rolled whatever's left, roll again. Look for four ups. Discard the ones that don't make it. Roll again. Or re-roll the one... Okay, save these ones, and now all the ones that would be discarded, re-roll those. So, you know, stuff like that. You could quickly kind of program it to run through an attack. Uh, not very helpful for small rolls, obviously. Super helpful. When you have a big mob of orcs smashing into a player, and you don't have the time to pick up 150 dice. Which is something that could happen. <laughs> you know, you get, you get a 30 strong squad of boys, 
Um, and you cast the Warpath on them, so they all get now five attacks each. Plus there's one for a knob, right? And, but he's going to be armed differently. So, I mean, like, yeah, you could you could be rolling in the game these huge numbers of, of dice. And that takes a long time just to gather up the dice or to roll, roll out a batch and roll out another batch and roll out another batch. That eats up time. One, I find it's really helpful when you start getting up into, like, the 30s and 40s uh, for your dices, for your dice. If you're rolling less than that, you should be able to just pick up a number of dice and roll it and be faster than the app. But if you, once you start having to do batches of dice, um, then I would I would definitely say consider getting a dice rolling app because you'll find that faster because you don't have to do multiple batches. You'll just do it all in one batch. Lastly, the big one. I think this is the one that is going to replace um, some of those pre pre-length measurement unit stuff, like sticks and whatnot. There's this new, new, new app, very new, uh, as of, I think it it went live on Apple on January 2nd of this year. And it was live on Android in December last year. So it is fresh. It's called Rightful Ruler. And what this does is it uh, takes your camera... And then it, it displays, it does a, an, uh, an augmented reality overlay through your camera of a battlefield. Or you can also do it, you can say, hey, this is the size of the base in this one spot. And how far is it to this next spot? That's a pretty minor use of it. The really cool use of it is to be able to say, okay, here's this, here's this spot. Now... How how big is a nine inch bubble from that spot? Which I think is really really nice, because then you can just and you see on your phone visually how much of the battlefield that's taking up. Um, you know you can set yourself some of those visual identifiers right away. Oh, it's to the other side of this of this barrel. Perfect, right? Um, it does an overlay. This is I think the the best the best part of it. It'll do an overlay of the different deployment maps. So now you're not even having to measure out this, you know, semi-circle on the battlefield to try to figure out where can I deploy and search and destroy. It's like, nope, I, I just go like this and bam, that, that's my deployment space. So I haven't given it a full shot yet. I just downloaded it uh, the other day and I was able to do a basic... Um, you know, identify a model kind of thing. I still have to do a printout of this little calibration marker to make sure that you get the right units of measurement on things. And then uh, try to... And then there is a cost to it. There's a per day cost, which is what I'm going to do just to try it out. Then there's a lifetime cost, which is the one, if it works nicely, that's the one I'll do because then, uh, again, I'll just have it for life. And they're saying they're working on a bunch of other applications for it that's obviously just the really big major one. So we'll see how that comes out. I think that's going to be way better than trying to have these things that are already set to nine inches long because who cares for a nine inch long one, right? I mean, uh, have you want to be able to have different sizes of things. This sets it up at different sizes. The only thing I, th- I don't think it's doing quite well is, all right, the only thing I don't think it does at all is uh, units without bases. It won't tell you their, it won't show you their size off of things, but mostly everything in the game is moving over to bases, so, you know, that's really not going to be an issue. Uh, So I'm excited. I'm excited to see how that goes. I hope this uh, big, long string of audio pieces (laughs) of this big, long podcast is going to be helpful for people. If you want to try to figure out what kind of accessories should you be bringing to the game, um, you know, it what's going to help you out. I think a lot of these are just, they're fantastic to have that you're not going to get confused, um, that they they just improve your game experience because they make play happen faster. Uh, And a couple of them, like I said, help even improve uh, your, your ability at the game. So thank you for listening to this long one. 
Sudbury Scrub signing out. Keep on wargaming.